0: you're listening to the stack attack fantasy podcast with your host jeff trella and trader andy hey now it's the stack attack fantasy podcast i'm your host jeff trella and with me as always is trader andy what's up guys how we doing today andy do you really think that they're going to respond to you
1: sometime no nah,
0: like you say that every episode and nobody I, I responded last time,
1: like out of pity, but like I don't know what else to say. I mean, you got this nice, cool intro. I you know you asked me a question, I'm just trying to go with it, but oh. how am I really doing? Well, let's see i I still have the coronavirus week I'm three week sick. four. yeah, I'm sick, still little sniffles and everything, but I'm on the mend. I'm returning back to form. I do have some breaking news for you though oh okay. Uh, the stack attack has made another Big time signing we've brought in our boy Nick bringing in the talent Okay, Obviously, we brought in the executives with the wives now. We're bringing in the talent with our boy Nick He's gonna be coming on on a part-time role. Uh, you know, he took a very big contract of zero dollars because that's what we're getting paid so um, Welcome Nick and uh, We'll definitely be giving his uh, handle out as well. So you guys can start following him as well.
0: Yes I, I negotiated terms with him his salary is zero dollars
1: moron <laughs>
0: for with an in, a possible increase after 0 months with, <laughs> with zero benefits and zero 401k and Negative one, Nick Madrigals. and
1: I get a moron?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I will settle for nothing less than zero. <laughs> but yeah, th- thanks, Nick, for all your help. And uh, welcome to the team. Uh, welcome to the squad. How's the, how, how's the rest of the world doing? Um, we are we are killing it, bro. We are huge in Africa now. We are, uh, at this point today, um, we, we we crossed the, the 500 download plateau nice soon to be six we're we're getting those uh those cigars ready for a thousand um that's coming this week i think uh but we're on in 22 states now three countries sweden's still rocking it out for us but in egypt now we have f- four hits so our, the egyptian magician is, is listening to us multiple times and I you know I I hope I think we cracked a joke on him about the Bengals last time I hope that doesn't offend him and cut it off you know I was actually talking to somebody I work with and they're like hey he's pro- it's probably some drug dealer that's pinging their IP address out of the country so that the government can't track them that's hilarious like that's that's a- <laughs> but listen what we're gonna do and Andy likes to break the news I'm gonna break my own news I'm gonna I'm gonna toot my own horn here so I'm I'm looking at it this way I don't have a nickname yet Andy's got Trader Andy he's got that that for a couple years now. I'm going with, with with this. We're big in Egypt. We got a following in Egypt. We got multiple hits in Egypt. So I'm declaring myself effective today, the fantasy pharaoh.
1: <laughs> Dude, you can't give yourself your own nickname. It has to be given to you. Nick Don't said you know? it was cool. Yeah, well, Nick has to give it to you then to make it cool.
0: All right, all right. So we'll bring him back on next week.
1: <laughs> so what are we doing today, Jeff? All right. So today, Pharaoh. I mean, sorry. No, what we no don't Pharaoh?
0: call me that. Don't call me that. It's a nickname. I'm not. Uh, no, no, no. Well, what we're going to do today is something that's near and dear to my heart. This is, uh, you know, my meat and potatoes. We're going to talk strategy session. We're going to talk about how to attack your draft, how to attack your auction. We were we were discussing this, and this is absolutely like an absolute atrocity. The amount of leagues that we're in, and the amount of formats that we were in.
1: Don't say, don't tell her how many I'm doing. My wife will kill me.
0: Yeah, we're done for. We're done God. for. Somebody, some of them. I mean, we don't do anything for free, but like some of them, we refuse to pay and just say like my presence is payment enough. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, these people accept that. Yeah, uh, but. We don't play in it. I, I think one of your score sheets you said is free, but it's like huge. So
1: no, we, we're, the, there's no money in score sheet. We just play for the love of the game. Yep. Uh, we just pay the uh, fee to score sheet, which is for running the leagues. All right, all right.
0: So so let's let. But before we start talking strategy, so the, these are these are some of the the formats that Andy and I play in. Okay, we play in. We we use the NFBC fifty drafting holds, um, the the draft champions. We use that as our build up to draft season to 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 practice and kind of get in tune with the ADP and we, with with the whole player pool. Uh, we, we do a little bit of the best ball, um, you know. That's the same thing. I don't play best ball for big money. I do that for a couple of bucks. And the same thing. It's just to practice drafting. I don't. You know. We'll talk about mock drafting later on. I'm not a huge fan of mock drafting because, you know, there there there's some formats where you do the mock draft, and it works. But sometimes you sign up for these on these sites, and you know, some ding dong will take Yasel Puig first overall because he wants to be a jackass. The,
1: the only reason why I figure to do a mock draft is if you're onto a website for the first time and you want to get used to the the format on the website before your live draft. You always do a little, right? Quick, quick and just and and,
0: and we all we always will tell you that you should make your own player pool and run off of your own projections and and, and, and rankings and whatnot. But it's important to see what your website's uh, projections and rankings are because a lot of your league mates are going to use that so you want to know where they're going to pick these players so you might be able to get a a riser or a faller or something like that so the guys that you're targeting even though you're not going to draft them in that order you want to know what order your opponents are drafting them so that you could gauge for yourself andy what other kind of leagues do we play in i don't know i'm i'm confused
1: uh we are in a keeper auction with a farm draft
0: that's the skidoo league we talk about all the time we'll we'll mention that later on as well quite a bit
1: all right and we also do a uh dynasty uh uh draft league
0: the dynasty that's the dogs league yeah we we Mm -hmm. actually just left a couple of hours ago we had our league meeting we have an annual league meeting for that um what we do with that it's a 12 team draft where you have to, you must keep exactly twenty-five players a year with a forty-man roster, and it's it's a five-by-five five roto. We play in almost all five-by-five five roto, but some some other varia- variations that we'll mention in a few. Um, but that that one is uh, it's a dynasty league. It's set up so that you could keep players forever. Once you once they're on your team, they're they're on your team until you let go of them. Andy's a, a, a big player on score sheet. Uh, when we get to that, I'm going to shut up because.
1: I, I still don't know what I'm doing that with either. I, <laughs> I just, uh, you know, it's. I've been doing it for 10 years now. And uh, wow. it's very, very real-life baseball, in-depth, a lot of, you know, it's a numbers league. So it's, it's it can be difficult at times.
0: Right. Uh, Head-to-head-wise, I, I hate head-to-head baseball. I hate head-to-head football. I hate to -to head-to-head roto, but sometimes you got to do it because, you know, again, we want to put out content. We got to know what we're talking about, and a lot of our friends want to play in head-to-head leagues. So that's what's available to you. You got to do it. So we have, we have uh, two leagues we play in that are keeper. Uh, One's category, one's points. I'm I'm not a big fan of either of them really, but you you know they have their advantages, and we'll get into that. Okay. Um, we're actually joined this year. We're joining our, this is the first time I'm actually doing an auction redraft. Um, pretty excited about that. That's a live auction, uh, with a bench. The Skidoo League does not have a bench. So this is the first auction we'll be doing that includes a bench. Um, and then we're doing a second year ale only keeper online auction as well. So basically we have experience in every format possible under the sun so you hit us up with your questions you know it, it it's it, it's going to get to us and we'll be able to figure it out
1: where do you want them to hit us up at
0: anywhere they want i don't care
1: <laughs> just don't ask
0: that richard stack guy
1: i just threw you um, now you yeah I know I, it. I know I know i know i <laughs> know
0: <laughs> so i'm at J Trello 20 on twitter Andy's at a mac 22 nj and mr nick is at n m i m i right and mimi <laughs> <laughs> the, the guy he was the first person in line at Twitter, and that's what he came up with. But whatever, Fa- Facebook and uh, Instagram as well. We have not branched off from there, and I don't want to. <laughs> so that's that. All right, Andy. Let's kick it off. Let's start talking about um, some draft strategies and some of our some of our top uh, things that we look at. You know, uh, we're we're going to talk. We want to we want to talk from a you know semi. Experience level down to beginner because you know the guys that are that are professionals and doing it like us for twenty five years, they don't need to listen to this as 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 much as this is more for newer players and and guys that are you know trying to break into a new format as well. Okay,
1: yeah, we're gonna talk on a
0: (laughs) a, on a slightly above like a middle school level on
1: on this. Good, I can understand it. (laughs) So so the first thing you want to do when you're in your league, obviously, is you want to know the scoring system. And your league settings, uh, if it's points, head-to-head, uh, all the all the in and outs in the rules of each league. Uh, obviously, when we're in this many leagues, you know, we have to go over the rules. I go over the rules constantly just to get a refresh while I'm going into the leagues because you can't make a mistake. So you have to make sure you know everything that you need to know. How how the points are, the lineup setups, and everything.
0: Right. Cool. So it it like for instance, if you're in a points league, that has a negative for strikeouts, that's going to take certain players that are pushing the 150, 200 strikeouts a year uh, and, and knock them down a little bit. You know, Nickel talk about on-base percentage till he's blue in the face. You know, <laughs> that's going to bump up these players that walk all the time. You need to know what you're getting into. You know, Joey Votto is a top-five first baseman in certain categories, and he's a bottom, bottom five in other categories. You've got to know what your scoring system is, right? You need to know, it, like, if you're in a point situation, you don't care about stolen bases. It's not important. You don't have to have them. You don't have to have saves. You have to have points, right? But if you're in a category setup, you need to have some kind of balance or at least a plan for what to do when the balance falls apart, Right? Exactly. All right. So if you're playing in rotisserie, which is basically the only way that you really should be playing, that's that's the way that every expert level league is. Every every I've been playing in roto leagues since since the early, I mean, it might even be the '80s, since the late '80s, I think. You know, the old WPTTL was the, the late '80s. Um, you need to make sure that you're drafting for categories, not positions, not players, right? That's what's important. Andy and I are notorious. We make a spreadsheet and we have a goal for every category, what we want to do. What's the plan, Andy? We usually try to shoot for Third, fourth place. It depends on how many teams in the league.
1: Yeah, right? based on it depends on how many teams. But obviously, like in a twelve-team league, you want to get like third place in every category, right across the board, and that should get you into the money.
0: Right, right. You, you're shooting for the 80th percentile. So you know, if 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 it's a 15, 16-team league, you want to be in the top four to five in every category. If you're in a 12-team league, you want to be in the top three in every category. But you don't have to be. If it falls apart. You know, you, you can pivot and go somewhere else. We, we were just talking about this a few minutes ago. We're in the middle of doing one of these M- NFBC 50s, and we had a plan for stolen bases, and it got blown up, right? Again, it wasn't Nick. It wasn't Nick this time, Yeah, right? but it was for Nick. <laughs> but, right, we had a plan for stolen bases, and somebody poached us. It's going to happen. That That's the one thing, you know, when we get into auction, it's a whole different story because you could get whoever you want. It, If you're in a draft, as soon as somebody, you know, I I fall for this all the time, You're, you're watching the draft board and then a player that you're about to take their name shows up and then you're looking at it like, no, that didn't just happen. No, he didn't take that guy. F him. No, it didn't happen, but it really did.
1: It's okay. And then you I look have... back, and then you, you close your phone or your laptop, and you restart it to see if it – oh, crap, it still says that. So they took him. Well, Jeff has to do that because he's trying to make a trade on one on one league, and he's like, I can't find this guy. He was actually on the wrong league because <laughs> we have so many leagues. That's why he was trying to make another <laughs> trade. That's, that's, so, that, that's But actually for the Stone Base, uh, and you always have to keep track on the spring off the topic, I found another Stone Base guy. Okay. Let's we'll discuss him maybe sometime. Bring it tomorrow. right now, bro. Let's do it. Monty Harrison. Okay. No one's really talking about him. Nope. Yeah, he just stole his third base. Stole, uh, stole stolen base of yeah, the inning. <laughs> of, the, of the spring in two days. Yep. And last year in like 50 games, he had nine home runs and like 20 stolen bases. Right. He's right. going to be up soon because the Marlins are horrible. He's a huge power speed guy. That's, that's going to be our guy that's going to replace Nicky when Nick Mimi takes him.
0: That's what you call... Your classic post hype sleeper, yeah, because he was hyped what a year ago or two years ago.
1: Trade for Yellick. yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So that is your classic post hype sleeper. Good, good call, man. I like that. I like that. Cool. We're,
1: we're taking them later. All right, <laughs> all right. So
0: where are we where are we at here? So we're talking about you got to make sure that you know what your rules are and that you're building your draft around the rules, right? so uh, th- th- you need to know how many pitchers you need if you only need four or five pitchers that starting your in your lineup it's like doing a one quarterback NFL league you don't need them because by the time you know you're only taking only 48 pitchers are going to start you could you could let that ride you could sleep on that okay so just know what you're doing okay the next thing we want to do is practice drafting mock drafts Okay. Um, Andy, what do you think about that? I'm not a, I'm not the biggest fan of mock drafting. There's positive and, and negative for it. What do you think?
1: I don't, I don't really like mock drafting at all. Um, the only time I would do it is if I'm going on to like a new site and I, I want to learn the player pool on their rankings to see where people are, are located and to make sure I don't have any difficulties when the real draft comes along.
0: Right, right. There, there, There's one angle that I, I would say is a little bit reputable, and you know we don't normally want to mention other publications and everything. But what the Fantasy Alarm does, with the Mock Draft Army, uh, that that's pretty solid, and I think Nick's Nick's participating in one of them. Yeah, I, I think he yeah. did it a couple of days ago. I, I didn't see the results of it yet, though, but. Uh, yeah, that that's somewhere you want to look at. But if you're going on one of these, you know, free websites like ESPN, Yahoo, or whatever, and you sign up for for a mock draft, God only knows what these people are thinking. It's horrible. They take and, a
1: guy in the second round, then leave the draft, and then you're screwed. right. So you have nothing so, to do. You're 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 here
0: trying to do hard work and whatever. So the best, th- the better way to do it is, you know, depending on, on your level of play, either join one of these these 50 leagues in the NFBC where you get a a slow draft, where you get to go through the whole player pool or join a a best ball, which you could do on the same platform for only 10 bucks. You know, Fantrax has some good stuff too. Um, $30, even, even lower that, that you can do a slow draft and use that to practice for your home leagues that, you know, you might be throwing a bit more money in, or even if it's not for a bit more money, it's for more pride and it's more important to you. But I'd rather throw a couple dollars into something than mock draft so that everybody that's in the draft... All right, so Andy, um, wh- what do you got next? What do you want to talk about next?
1: Well, you want to know the the player pools and your ADP uh, when you're getting ready for the drafts. Uh, you have to you know, be able to know who's available, where they are in the, in the format on the website. So you can be prepared to take a guy, or if a guy was hurt last year and he's down in the rankings, you'll be able to find him when other people aren't. So you need to look through early and get get to know the format and get to know the player pool before your draft comes
0: right so so let me give you an example let's say that you're in you're at the back of the second round so let you pick first right and you have your eye on on the two three turn you're, you're looking at you want either glaber torres or or Altuve let's say you you really want one of these second basemen because you don't feel comfortable with 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 the player pool for second base but if they get poached right the last thing in the world that you want to do is jump up and take Keston Hiera in the second round because you feel like oh my god I'm in trouble with second with the with, with second base at this point but if you are comfortable with the player pool you'll know when you can get a guy that we like 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 Colton Wong later on, or you know, even punt it completely and take somebody like Tommy Tommy Listella. You know, if you don't know that and you're not comfortable with what's coming later, you're going to jump up and you're going to make mistakes because that happens all the time. The the other place that it happens a lot is with closers. If you're looking at the closer pool and you got your eye on, on a certain guy and then a run starts, you know that's the big thing that you got to worry about in drafts is runs, especially with catchers and, and, and saves. The run starts, the guy that you want gets poached, the, the guy that you had his backup plan gets poached, et cetera, et cetera. And then four picks later you come. You don't take a guy that you didn't want just because I got to get saves, I got to get saves. If you know that four rounds later, there's, you know, Gallego sitting there that nobody else is thinking about, then you just take another hitter. You take another hitter right there, you build something else and make something else strong and take the saves later on. The best thing that you could do is build yourself an Excel spreadsheet so that you can track every single spot as you go through and make, make adjustments as you find deficiencies and strengths, right? Um, and the last thing that I want to talk about when you're dealing with a draft is understanding, especially in a draft that you have a bench um, and mostly with daily moves, is understanding the value of a middle reliever, okay? A closer is, is important, especially if you're in a roto league, because they're going to give you that save category, right? But remember that if you have an elite, you know, Dylan Batansis type middle reliever, they're giving you help in 3 plus categories at least, okay? So if you have a deficiency in your starting rotation, like let's say that you started late with your starters and you end up with, you know, with one of the one of the moves we've been using early in the season is is Starting with Noah Syndergaard or or Trevor Bauer, things like that. So when you add to it after that, you might be a little bit behind on ERA and WHIP. So when you get to the bottom of your of your uh, pitching staff, you don't necessarily want to fill it with a bunch of deadbeats that are going to give you a one and a one three WHIP and a four ERA when you could take that middle reliever, kind of you know match his strikeouts with Noah's, maybe. Say to hell with the saves, and kind of make sure that those other two categories are solid, right?
1: That works real well, okay. Or if you want, or if you're a team that goes out there and drafts Robbie Ray, who is a whip killer, right? You, you might have to get one or two of these guys to offset that because the K's are great, but when he's walking four batters, five batters uh, in five innings, it's going to kill you. And you need those mill relievers, those elite guys who get high strikeouts. Low whip, and they'll bring all those ratios to where we need to be.
0: Perfect, perfect, perfect. All right. Any anything else that we should talk about with drafts? Uh, I mean, there, there's always streaming, which we kind of touched on a little bit more with a relief pitcher than a starter. You know, that that's an option that you could use. You know, to make up a deficiency if you're in a points league or something like that. I don't even take a closer because they're going to lose their job. You know, and just stream in starters all day long, knowing the uh, that. In a in a league like that, especially with daily transactions, that you can stream in a two start pitcher and you, you know, you kinda of make up your deficiencies by volume instead of quality.
1: Or if you got like if you're in like a head to uh, head twelve team head to head league that does you know, has a small bench and has one catcher, you don't draft a catcher. Just I'm okay with the ninth or tenth eleventh catcher on the board and let these guys take morons take catchers early, like a JT Remoto and Gary Sanchez, while I'm taking the bigger volume guys who are going to be studs and not a catcher. you can get a catcher at the end of the draft, like Omar Navarre, who we took last year, and he was better than most of the catchers that were taken in the 2-5 to five spot.
0: The, the other thing too, when you're talking about catcher, especially in, in a points league with, with a, a bench, most people aren't going to take a backup catcher, so if you completely punt the catcher spot, you can end up getting the 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th catcher in the late bench rounds. So you can totally just say to hell with it. You know, let everybody else take who they want because people are going to do that. They're going to look at it and people are going to try to fill their roster before they go to the bench. They're like, oh, I need a catcher. So I'm going to take a catcher now, even though it's a stupid move. We just did that yesterday where we were... We were in the last round of quote unquote starters. We needed a catcher, and we saw Nick Solak on the on the board, and we took him instead. And hell with it, we'll take the catcher later on. You know, nobody's going to take a backup catcher. Keep it moving. Take the player that's going to make an impact. I'm going to have a better bench than you guys off Jump Street, and I'll get the catcher at the end of the draft. Cool. Absolutely. All right. Now we're going to go into um, auction strategies, which is a little bit more of a, what we've been doing a lot. You know, we've been playing in auctions. We've probably done, I I don't know, 40, 50 live auctions in our life. It's the greatest format yeah. in, in baseball. It's the greatest day of yeah. the year. Yep. It is the greatest day of the year. And Auction. anybody in the tri-state area, if you need, I am a kick-ass auctioneer. I will do it for a small nominal fee more than what we pay Nick.
1: And what what I could do is I can draft for you. Because I've <laughs> I've won... Plenty of auctions for people. While I was also drafting my team, actually drafted a better team for them, and they've won. I had multiple <laughs> people pay, pay out on that.
0: Andy's the greatest proxy out there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Step one, and this took me almost a decade to get Andy to buy into. Um, when when you're doing an auction, you can't lock into a name. All right, you're gonna make a mistake. The best thing that you could do is set up a tier, tier system, okay? Take a position and break it down into whatever whatever you're comfortable based on how many teams and make four, five, six tiers. And if you say, I have to have an elite first baseman, you mark off one, two, three, first baseman in tier one, one, two, three, four, five in tier two. And if you say, I'm going to get one in tier one, then okay, then you go all in and you do that. And you could still make an evaluation on... On price on each one, but you got to make sure that you're not going into a into an auction and saying, "I'm getting Anthony Rizzo no matter what," because you know what'll happen then. The Instead one of,
1: Cub fan in there will bid sixty, and you'll be not bidding on him. And then you'll be screwed because there won't be another first baseman there for you.
0: Right. All it takes. You don't know what everybody else is thinking. If there's somebody else that's locked in on the same exact player as you, you're going to get into a bidding war that's unnecessary. It's ridiculous, you know, and you make a mistake. And it happens almost every year,
1: okay? Yeah, for many years what I would do is when I was setting this up, I was like, I'm not going to spend more than $30 on any player because I wanted to get value across the board. But sometimes you have to go based on your league. And I knew in the next year I was like, all right, I know there's going to be a lot of values at the end of the draft, so i want to spend high on certain guys and make sure I spend my money quicker.
0: Right. So, um, Right, but if you if you put a cap on yourself, you end up screwing yourself because then you end up paying that much money for a secondary player. So, like, let's say that you you go into an auction and say, "I'm gonna spend forty five dollars on Mike Trout. I don't care what whatever it takes. I'm
1: getting him. forty five dollars." But and you go, he and he went for sixty one last year in one of our leagues. Right, and all those people who won, them. Next thing you know, George Springer's going in the forties, and I'm like. What the heck is going on here? And it's because all the people that said they were getting Mike Trout couldn't get Mike Trout, and then they decided to go after George Springer and his price that should have been around twenty to thirty-two, which I had slot in, went to like forty-four, and you're like, no, sorry.
0: Right. So you should have just got the guy that you wanted.
1: Yeah, because then you end up with Malik Smith.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, so that's the thing is if you're so rigid that you're going to lock in and I have to have this specific player. Like the Skidoo League that we do, it, you, each team keeps 12 players. So you're only drafting 13 players at the auction. So sometimes you might go into it and there's only, you know, three elite starting pitcher pitchers available to you. So you might say, all right, I'm not leaving without Chris Sale. Like th- that that may happen if you have, you know, like, like Andy has a ridiculous keeper keeper list this year and he's you know, he got players that are $5 that should be $35 because of how he built it over the years. So he might look at this and say, all right, Mike Trout's my guy. I'm getting him no matter what. And he might be the only elite outfielder there. And then you just, if you're in that scenario, you just get him and you don't care what the hell it costs. And you, you trust yourself that you're smart enough that you'll fix it later and your dollar values are going to be just as good as anybody else's dollar values. And you'd be all right, right? Absolutely. Cool, cool. All right. So th- the the thing too is you want to make sure that you have some kind of baseline budget for what you're doing. I'm not that good at this. Like that's not something I like to do, but it's pretty pretty much a standard practice throughout the business. Um, most people go with a seventy dollar, seventy percent, thirty percent hitter to pitcher ratio. Okay. The reason that that is is because you have seven, You know, if you break your roster down a 23 or a 25 man roster, 70% of your players are hitters and 30% of them are pitchers because you don't have 15 hitters, 15 pitchers. That's not how it works. So you don't want to over. You don't want to build an equal dollar amount because you'll you'll end up with you know spending way too much money on pitching. And what happens with pitching, Andy? The
1: they all get hurt. Yep. Yeah,
0: they get hurt. They get hurt. Right. You always want to. You always want to start your your. <laughs> High dollars with with an elite hitter first, absolutely, one hundred percent of the time. So make sure you have a budget, and you know stick to the plan. If it if it goes askew a little bit, make sure that you're aware of where you're off, so that you can fix it somewhere else. Um, the next thing you want to do is you want to make sure that you have a basic valuation for every single player, right? Uh, now I'm not saying that. You're gonna go into it and say Lorenzo Kane is a four dollar player for me and and that's it. You know it's not necessarily what you're gonna spend, but you need to see based on what your budget is, what these players should go for, and then you can adjust accordingly from there. Um, the reason for that is there might be a player that comes up that isn't necessarily on your radar that you might have valuated at fifteen bucks and then the auction room goes to Crickets, and it goes $5, $6, $7, but you had them for $15, you are getting a 50% discount there. That's somebody that you might want to jump on. So you, if you, ha- if you value every single player at what they're worth, you're going to be able to adjust on the fly pretty quickly to what players are getting called and what players
1: are being taken. Now part of that comes down to, in auction draft, you have to realize that uh, it's not – what a guy's going to go for. Obviously, Mike Trout's going to get called in the first round of players, but it all depends when the person gets drafted, uh, when he gets called out in the auction, and that's when he'll go for a certain price. If someone calls out a closer early, he might go a little couple of dollars cheaper, and then another team five rounds later calls out a closer, and he goes for more money than the better closer you just paid for. It's because of uh, basically, the uh, format of supply and demand. Uh, you have to, you know, see what's out there. Get your guys early at a discount, and then let the other guys overpay later.
0: And sometimes it goes the other way, though. Yep. So sometimes it makes more sense to overpay in the beginning because you could trust your your values later, and let everybody else that missed out on the on the quote unquote overpay then overpay like what you were talking about with George Springer. Well, yeah, with, yeah. With
1: the, the key with this is that. You know, you're not going to win or lose your your auction draft in the first two rounds of this. When you spend your money, you're going to win your league or lose your league with the last guys on your roster. You know, those people who just fill in the guys at the end of the day and go st- stars and scrubs and just throw in and they get real scrubs and they don't actually have the good players. You're going to lose. So every single person needs to know what's out there and know the the players and get the values later in the draft that'll help you win the league all right cool cool
0: one of the most important things in an auction especially if it's a live auction is to be comfortable reading the room okay we're fortunate enough you know in the home league we play in that we know everybody in the league and we know their tendencies we know who the prospect guys are who the ones that you know, overvalued pitchers, Yankee fans, Pirates fans, yeah. Keith, and and stuff like that. That's very important to know, because there there's so many ways that you could leverage that for yourself. So we're gonna talk about a couple of them, you know, price enforcing and, and whatnot. Um, but knowing the room, and especially keeping a track of everybody else's team, so that you know when you can call out a player, that might possibly end up on somebody else's team that you don't want. If there's only three people bidding on players remaining and you need a, a second baseman and you got your eye on a certain player, Tommy Lastella, let's say, and the guy across the, the room needs a second baseman as well, you know, you and, and he has more money than you. Maybe you call out some ding dong. And hope he says two because he's like, oh, I need a second baseman. That's a second baseman. I'm going to take him. So he, then you fill that spot on the other team, and then you get the guy that you want. All right? So that's important. You're making sure that you're tracking other teams, obviously knowing your own team, but knowing what everybody else in the league, what their trends are and what they're looking for.
1: And what does it sound like? It sounds like when you're reading the room during uh, the draft, you're seeing their body language to see who they want, what they're wearing, because everyone wears the jersey of their favorite team. Stupid. Uh, it, it's like poker. Yep. You have to read your opponent, see if he's bluffing or he's going to go all in on a certain guy. It's the same thing. And we just happen to be good poker players, so that's where it actually falls into the auction where we're really yep. good at.
0: That That's pretty cool because you kind of – transition me into the next thing i wanted to say
1: pay that man you know. his money
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay okay <laughs> you know w- when you're when you're bidding on players and when you're calling players out to be nominated you don't want to have a normal cadence okay there's a couple of guys that we've done auctions with that you know andy l- let's replicate this okay
1: call out a player and bid all right i'll but say let's uh, say
0: i want uh, all right jeff, jeff wants this player
1: all right, so we'll go uh, Mike Trout, $1. Two. Uh, three. Four. Five. Six. Seven. Eight.
0: I want this player, obviously, right? Yeah, because
1: he's right? not holding back, not waiting. Right. But then, you know, the auctioneer will get pissed off when the person always waits till the second call. Yeah, that's call. me. And yeah. I throw things <laughs> at <laughs> them. till that second call, and then you you're suck. like, really? Yeah. yeah so. th-
0: there's a, th- that's, a, that's a different story. <laughs> We're not going to talk about etiquette. <laughs> but, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a way to change it up. You know, like you definitely let's say you want Mike Trout. Maybe the move is to not jump in until he's five dollars from where you want to say. Let the other ding dongs go one, two, three, four, five, six. And then they get scared to death when they're like, oh, crap. Andy's in the freaking conversation. Now, now there's three of us.
1: Or, or when he jumps up and says when he's really fast and says eight or nine, then you come up and say 14 and you just might scare them off.
0: Right, right. But the, there's a good chance that they're going to jump right in, right in as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, an inex, inexperienced auction player, you could tell right away when a player is called that you know they have pocket aces. <laughs> this this is their guy, and they're pu- <laughs> they're pushing all in and everything like that,
1: which uh, leads me very well.
0: Yeah, we're transitioning nicely on the auction. That's not bad.
1: Oh, that's how that's our bread and butter. Right, right, right
0: is price enforcing. Okay. One of my favorite things to do, but sometimes that you end up getting burned. So (laughs) you have to have a valuation on something. If somebody's, you know, going nuts, their cadence is crazy. And you know that they want this player, no matter what you have to be confident going up to a certain valuation on a player. You know, if you have them valued at $23, you need to go all the way to that $23, knowing that you might get stuck with this player. If, if, if they're in or out, you know, one thing I, 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 I love is a lot of the guys that I, I've seen in live auctions do the whole, uh, they'll bid like 18 and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, all right, 20. <laughs> and then what do they do? 21. 21. <laughs> you know, when it, that's the biggest tell out there is... That's my final offer. (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) You're trying to scare me away. (laughs) I know your move. So, yeah, but you got to be careful with price enforcing. I've gotten stuck with players that I had nothing in my mind to do with. But as long as it's within your price valuation, you know, you don't want to be price enforcing a $15 player that you had valued at $8 because you're going to screw your whole thing up if you end up getting stuck with them. But if you get stuck with them, you get stuck with them. And what's that? Andy, what's
1: the best thing to do when you get stuck with somebody? Just note who you're uh, going up against in the bid, and that that'll be your obviously your first call to make a trade.
0: Right, right. You always want to know not not just not just with price enforcing. Every time you buy a player, you want to make sure that you note who was the last one to bid on that player, because later on, that's the guy that is your best trade partner for that player. Okay always make sure that you take that note. So the next thing you want to do is something that Andy already started to allude to um, little, little trick I learned a couple of years back is the, what I call the double price bump, right? You, you get into a, into a bid against another player and it's one, two, three, four, you know, an inexperienced player is going to go $1 at a time Because they're nervous about saving every penny and whatnot. If you did your player valuations the way that you wanted to and you're ready to go, feel free to use $3, $4, $5 bumps and scare the hell out of this guy because they're going to think, how high is he going to go? I got to get out of this, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when when you do that, especially if you're getting to their peak, if I say If I say 12 and they say 13 and then I go 16, they're like, oh, crap, I'm out. Right. And then you get the player for where you want. But you always want to make sure that you leave one dollar of room. So if you if you're going for a player that you want for 17 dollars, you don't want to be the guy that says 16. Because now you're you're going over your budget. If they say seventeen and you really want the player, you're going over budget. So you want to be the guy that says fifteen, let them go up one dollar and then you have that room. Or just go right to right to where you want to be in the first place, right? The yep. other the other thing too, Andy, you want to talk about uh you know the, the 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 decade bid, right? The importance of being the first one to say thirty and forty dollars like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a a thing where if, you know you just want to uh, be the first person to get up to there, and that usually scares people off when they're bidding, and uh, it makes them feel like they're they're going up to the next level and spend more money. All right, what awesome! Else you-
0: awesome! Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a lot of times, it, like if 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 a guy bids twenty seven dollars on you, and you say twenty nine. Make them be the one to say thirty because that sounds like a different language. You get scared. You're like, oh crap! I wanted him in the twenties, not the thirties. Even though the difference between twenty nine and thirty is just a buck, and like you're you're not gonna, you know, have anything to do with that at the end. What's the uh, the very most important thing that we can't forget when we're talking about an auction, Andy? It's don't leave money on the table. <laughs>
1: Right, you would know all about that. Well,
0: in our Skidoo League, we actually made a rule that any leftover um, auction dollars go into your fab budget, which is which is good because there's actually strategy at the end to not use up every last dollar if, if you're comfortable with what you're at save the bucks because you can use them later on but you don't want to pull a Matt me ski, bro like that that was, horrible. That was the worst <laughs> there, there was back in the day this is probably this is in the early 90s when i was a young player i didn't know what i was doing that yet yet i had 40 something dollars left at the end of the Auction, and I bought Matt Mieski for forty-two dollars because it, it was cool. it was like six, seven, eight, nine, forty-two. <laughs> like Why the I hell gotta was go Matt
1: Getting bit up. Why?
0: It was like the last player in a nineteen-team league, and I had <laughs> forty dollars left Matt over. His
1: mom ain't bidding six. <laughs> I, I don't know. You bid forty-two. I screwed up. <laughs> that, that happens sometimes. All right. All right. I, I
0: think that basically wraps up uh, you know our elementary education on on draft and auction strategy I hope it was helpful to those of you that uh, that listened if you are new to to uh, Fantasy baseball, you know, number one, welcome, thank you. You know, there, there's there's sentiment that fantasy baseball's in trouble, which I can't feel. I don't see it. I not, mean, not
1: when we're drafting in uh, November, uh, yeah, and
0: December, we 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 open a draft in November and we find 11 partners to draft against that we never met within five hours. I, I don't know how it's dra- dying when it's not even the Super Bowl yet, but. You know, new players. Hopefully, this was, was was something of use to you. If you have more questions, you know, definitely hit us up on Twitter. You know, I'm at J 20. He's at A Mac 22 NJ. New guy is at N Mimi. Can't be <laughs> Just this so guy, funny. I don't. First guy on Twitter, and that's what he comes up with. I'd have been like, I am Twitter God. <laughs> like something like fun. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> whatever.
1: Andy, you got anything intelligent to say before we head out of here? I, I usually don't, but this time I do. Oh, I, I have a little breaking news for our home league skidoo. Pick two overall in the farm draft will be the alien, Jason Dominguez. And I'm out. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Peace out.